On this week's episode of The Secret Log, we have audio from Dr. Goodman from the 1973 NOAC. Once again, Dr. Goodman shares his observations of our order and challenges each of us to serve our country. Thank you to Dr. Shurkin for sharing this audio with us. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy. But in my journeys around, here's the sort of thing I discovered. I went to the little country of Liechtenstein, where I found Prince Emmanuel was very proud of his membership in one of our lodges located in the great state of Ohio. And he, he uh, had never gotten over his pride in being taken into that lodge. Now, whether that lodge had a right to do so is not a matter. Uh, but uh, but uh, they did it, <laughs> and he's <laughs> proud of it. There is a, a man of real ability in poetry who has for many years lived in England. He is an Englishman, and so he has a right to live there. Uh, but but uh, his pride is in the order. It was he who translated originally our tradition into poetry. And uh, he, he is just fascinated with that fact. Uh, I lived for some time in the lovely country of New Zealand. The man who became international commissioner for New Zealand was himself overpowered uh, in uh, appreciation of the order of the arrow. So much so that he tried to get it going there, but I suppose because their red Indians uh, aren't red at all, <laughs> they're Polynesians, and our tradition quite didn't fit them. And he was very sorry about that. I uh, stopped in at the business office of the Boy Scouts of Australia, the whole subcontinent of Australia there, and uh, looked over their stock, and do you know what I found? I found that the storekeeper who kept all the badges of the Australian movement in scouting, was the proud possessor of a wonderful collection of Order of the Arrow patches. And he showed them to me with great pleasure. And so you see, around the world, there has gotten out the word about the Order of the Arrow, and there are people all over the world vitally interested in it. I went into the exhibit of scouting memorials and mementos in the city of London in the Baden-Powell house. And there on the shelf was a beautiful Indian bonnet given by one of the lodges from our movement in this country. So, you see, the order of the owl is getting around and without trying to show off or be prideful of our work, it, uh, it goes ahead. Now, uh, let me say a few words about the matter of horizons of service. We've been talking about that, haven't we? I think it is perfectly grand the way we have carried on our order in terms of building upon the solid foundations of certain things that don't change and being ready to accept change wherever it'll help in a better method of operation. So. Let me list some of the things that are there permanently, and we don't change. The fact of our birthright, listen to this, our birthright in camp. That's how the order came about, in camp. And that is one of the solid foundations. Our primary duty, however, as our men, that is, none of us forget that, is to the troop or the post 
that set us into the order. That's our primary duty. Never forget that. And that's, that's a permanent uh, basic belief. And then our commitment to unselfish service in old ways and new ways is part of our great tradition. And above all, our dedication to the spirit of brotherhood and goodwill among men. Now, based upon that foundation, we have gotten into some very marvelous new horizons of service, haven't we? I, I'd like to put number one, our more specific and thorough devotion to the American Indian as it has come to our attention in this particular conference. Now, there's nothing new about the idea that we ought to be friendly to our Indian brothers in this country. I hold in my hand a uh, copy of a letter written in the days of the Revolutionary War, a letter or resolution adopted by the Continental Congress saying to the red men of that day, let us be brothers. Let us have the same common ideal together. Thank you. And that was way back then, almost 200 years ago. So it's high time that we kept up and magnified that tradition in our opportunity. And I'm perfectly delighted at the idea of the Indian seminar and the other things announced and uh, applied in this particular conference. Number two, I'm delighted, I tell you, about our preparation for the bicentennial celebration, the bicentennial. It's a, it's a, a great uh, opportunity to us, and fortunately, the leadership of our National Council in the Boy Scouts of America saw that years ago, and are building toward that great event in 1976. I had a, a granddad in that war. Uh, he had his carpenter shop on Market Street in Philadelphia, and in that shop he trained some other men to get into the fracas and help us find our freedom back then. The 200th anniversary of our country gives us a tremendous opportunity. I am delighted to find that we can take an old tradition like our camp tradition and bring it up to date in various new methods of seeing that our scout camp and our scout camping experience is, a, is available to anybody, even if he lives in a ghetto, if he lives in the inner city, and that's wonderful. And the other thing that I am so happy about is the new spirit of the, in the relationship of the adult in, in the order and the young men and aramen in the order. Well, there are just a few of my observations, my brothers, and I leave this conference greatly heartened <coughs> by what I have seen and heard here. <coughs> now, before I close, I want to place before you a few challenges having to do not with what you've got to do tomorrow so much as what you, we hope you will do way off in the tomorrows as you age and get into things as you're beginning to do now. Get into things as an adult citizen of this, our beloved country. 20 or 30 years hence, 
or maybe 60 or 70 years hence. Who can tell? What will you expect to do for your country because you have been an arrow man? Number one, there is need for citizens always who will bridge the gap between the generations by leading youth to give pioneer attention to such new horizons as you've selected in this conference, and at the same time keep alive the great traditions of our country. During the past year, they held a conference on aging in the city of Washington, presidential conference on aging. I got an invitation to that. Can you imagine that? I thought they made a mistake. I, I wrote in to the office of the, uh, the conference uh, leaders and uh, told them I'd much rather have the man who directs the community down in Florida where Mrs. Goodman and I live to go in my place, but nothing came of it. <laughs> and then I found the reason for my invitation. Serving as chairman of a group of young people from all over the country in that great convention to give thought to what youth might do in partnership with age to make the whole span of life more meaningful was a young man who four years ago presided over this conference, Tom Fielder, and he served that useful post to good advantage. I've been getting the results pretty nearly every week since the conference was held. That's an example of what I'm talking about. The Order of the Arrow was there, even in a conference for the aging. Number two, <coughs> there is need for citizens who will preserve the moral and spiritual foundations in a, in a day when, my friend, they seem to be threatened. I went into the office of a council in the Midwest, combining the churches of all faiths and certain other bodies having to do with the moral state of affairs in that neck of the woods. And I talked to the director of that uh, council. He, my brothers, also was an arrow man of yesterday. The order today and tomorrow is greatly interested in that need. Need number three, there is need for citizens who are willing to set aside the present-day comforts and even to leave our own blessed country and go to foreign lands in order to be of cheerful service to people who otherwise might die prematurely and suffer greatly. Dr. Albert Schweitzer, many of you young men are still able, I hope, to know about Dr. Schweitzer, who, although he was a great musician and a great philosopher, put those things aside and went to Africa and built a hospital that is known all over the world in fulfilling uh, a plan to meet the need of those citizens in that dark country. And with him, my brothers, serving like him, was an arrow man some years back. There is need and an opportunity for our service there 
as we grow up into the world and take our place. Number four, there is need for citizens who will continue to find high adventure and lead the thought of the whole country into the values in certain phases of high adventure in this old world of ours. Of course, you all know that Admiral Byrd went uh, into the South Polar region uh, and uh, did a magnificent job there. And my brothers, with him at his side, and later almost succeeding him, was an arrow man named Paul Seipel. It was my privilege to put the visual sash around Paul's neck. And he gave his life, for he had now passed on, he gave his life, did Araman Paul Seipel, to making it possible to live with safety and comfort even in the polar regions of our globe. And since then, since his time, a young man, Cliff, who sat in your seat, also went there and served. Araman in high adventure that the whole world knows about. Number five, there is need for citizens who will keep alive in our business and commercial life, and maybe even in our political life, the matter of honesty and fair dealing and unselfish interest in the common good. A few years ago, I visited the, junior, the office of the Junior Chamber of Commerce in this country in the Midwest, Oklahoma. I talked with them because I had found and was greatly pleased with certain of the uh, literature sent out by the Junior Chamber of Commerce, which outlined their policies and their interests in the business world of the day. And going there to their office at the desk of the executive vice president who ran the show was an arrow man. Sure enough, there's a chance there for the arrowman of today to get into that area of great need. Number six, and last, there is need, my brothers, for citizens who have dedicated their lives to the promotion of brotherhood throughout the whole world. Now, a powerful step toward worldwide peace, that would be. I went into the headquarters of an agency which for 50 years has been doing something tangible about this. And uh, there I found another arrow man. This is the experiment in international living, which for almost 50 years have been sending young people from America during the vacation period to European and Asiatic countries to learn of life there and to come back and report to their people here. And in return, bringing young people from Asia and Africa and, and Europe to America to learn of our way of life. That's a step toward brotherhood. And sitting at that desk was an arrow man administering that program. Well, I said there are only six. I must mention a seventh challenge to you. Thinking now, my brother and I repeat, of the tomorrows in your life, the tomorrows in your life, years hence, perhaps. There is need 
for citizens who would substitute brotherhood for bombs, brotherhood instead of bombs, as a means of settling international or national disagreement. Now, such citizens realize that goodwill must be expressed not only in fine words, but more important, in action. And recently, there has sprung up a new movement in the world called the Oxfam, O-X-F-A-M, started at Oxford University in England. The Oxfam movement. For what purpose? To do away with famine throughout the world, internationally and nationally. To do away with famine. Now they've, they've had a, a brief start for a year or two, and it is spreading out to other countries beside England. It's now set up in the USA. And who do you suppose has been appointed to head up that movement so far as America is concerned with the great objective of doing away with famine throughout the world? Why, of course, a narrow man named Dick Dodds. <coughs> you, you may not know him, but if you, any of you have ever been to Brotherhood Barn, you will see the arrow he made to fit into the chimney of the great Order of the Arrow fireplace there. And there he is. So you see what I'm trying to say to you? Our order, our brotherhood of cheerful service has already demonstrated that it can fit into the great needs of the world. And you're leaving here in a few minutes to go back home. And you've got a life to live. My brothers, take those thoughts with you and think deeply in your lodges, in your area conferences, and elsewhere about them. But let me say this as I sit down. Never lose sight of that word cheerful in our name. Cheerful service. And I know no people in the wide world who are more entitled to good cheer than those who give service. They go together. And so, as you go, I want you to go with a, a great smile in your heart, with a song in your heart, yes. We sang that song yesterday when Wes Klusman, my old buddy, uh, sang it for us so beautifully and led us in its singing. Let me give you the three verses. I love to go a-wandering along the mountain track, and as I go, I love to sing my knapsack on my back. Note that word, knapsack. The, my dear old friend, Dr. Stiles, who used to head up the scout movement in Canada, one time talked about that knapsack to all the executives of our, of our movement in this country. He said, of course, that means we're packing a knapsack for life in scouting. We're putting in, in that knapsack those things that'll keep us alive and well and happy and useful in the world. If you want to sing a real song, sing with a knapsack on your back. Second verse. I raise my hat to all I meet, and they wave back to me. The blackbirds call so loud and sweet from every greenwood tree. When you go wandering, the scout, the brother, Alleman, which those he passes along the trail 
And they greet him back, and there was established a wonderful bond of brotherhood there. And that makes any of us sing with gladness, I know. And that last verse, it comes to me as uh, one not too young anymore. May I go a-wandering until the day I die, and may I always laugh and sing beneath God's clear blue sky. My brothers, we of the order recognize that our lives are governed by a supreme being. And if we walk the trail under his great creation of skies and infinite space, how happy we must be. God bless you as, the wa as you walk the trail, my fellow Arabin. This episode of The Cedar Log. Please feel free to share with everyone you know. And feel free to visit our social media on Instagram and Facebook to see our Throwback Thursday posts. Also, feel free to stop by the NAMI Lodge website for updates on any new events and visit our Square store. Thank you again for everyone who listened to this week's episode. See you next time.